Father God, we give thanks for this morning. And Lord, thank you for the worship, uh, for us just to uh, come before you, to come before your throne. And for each of us, uh, we come from different spectrums, different contexts. Uh, and we're here uh, this morning uh, because we desire, we long for an encounter with you, with the living God. So I pray that you would reveal yourself to each person here. You know their story. You know their challenges. And for those um, perhaps who have not been to church for a long time and they're here this morning for the first time in a long time, I pray, God, that they would, just have, they would experience a special touch from you. Others who've been coming on a regular basis for years, I just pray that this wouldn't be something that's just kind of going through the motions, that it, there would be something fresh, something exhilarating about what you're going to teach us. And, God, I surrender myself to you and my heart, my mind, uh, any distractions I have, God, I pray that you would just take that away. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill me and speak through me and use this message um, for our congregation, for our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, as you can tell, if you haven't been here, uh, these doors here represent our uh, sermon series called Open Doors, where we as a community have been coming together in this sermon series, um, really, really thinking and, and asking questions about the open doors that God provides for us. Because when you read in the scriptures, you realize right away that very rarely does God tell people to stay put. Uh, The Bible is a collection of stories where God invites people to take a chance to actually step into an opportunity through an open door. And he does that primarily for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's to shape and form them, but also to carry out and express, express his mission, his purposes. And we've been looking at, at that together as a community and asking the questions for us. What are those things each day, small and big, that God is opening doors in my life? Maybe it's a conversation with a random stranger. Maybe it's helping a neighbor. What, what are those opportunities, uh, those open doors that God is trying to shape and mold me and to carry out his mission? Well, this morning, I want to look at the opposite of, of open doors. I want to look at closed doors. Because for many of us, our story is a collection of closed doors where we asked and pleaded with God for him to open a door and and the door was not open. Or perhaps we were were in the middle of something and we wanted God to keep that door open, but yet he closed it. And I think that's one of the harder aspects of our Christian faith. And I'm reminded of a story a friend told me where she was very much in love with this man and she thought this would be the man that she would marry. And um, she was so excited about this relationship, but she, she sensed it began to slip. And the, the open door of this relationship that seemed so, so promising began to close a little bit. And she got very worried. And she told me for the next year, I prayed every day, praying, God, keep that door open. This is the man of my dreams. This is, this is the man that I'm going to marry. Please keep that door open. And she told me that, that she thought she would help God. In, in, in keeping that door open, so she moved closer to him as sort of a way to say to God, God, I'm going to help you by keeping this door open and removing any barrier of geographical distance so I could be closer to him, so I could spend more time with him. And as you can guess, invariably, he broke up with her. And she told me it was probably one of the hardest things in her life at that point, that this door was closed, and she had no idea why God would allow that. And I think that's true for many of us, is that we have similar stories where God closes a door, and it's like, why? What in the world would God do that? Why would he do something like that? 
Well, I want to answer that question this morning with a couple of possible reasons why God closes doors or keeps doors closed. And one reason is simply, it's not right. It's not right for us. And I'm reminded of a story from the popular author Max Lucado, and it happened at a time when his daughter, his oldest daughter, was six years old, and they're having a conversation about his job because he was a pastor in a small town in Texas before he became a famous writer. And his daughter uh, said to to Max, um, "I really don't like your job as a pastor," which kind of caught him by surprise because he didn't realize he was going to have a discussion about employment with his six-year-old daughter. And, and she said, you know, Dad, I, I love you as a preacher, but I really wish you just sold snow cones. Because for a six-year-old, Max kind of reflected on this, for a six-year-old, it would seem from her perspective like selling snow cones is like the best job in the world. I mean, you drive a truck, you play happy music, you have snow cones, an endless supply of snow cones, and you make all the kids in the neighborhood really happy. So for her six-year-old mind, which came from this pure, innocent heart, it just seemed like, you know, that's something you should do. And obviously, Max, knowing more about life, of course not. Uh, He wasn't made for that kind of job. He used to be a pastor. See, Max knew more about life than his six-year-old daughter. And when it comes to uh, doors that are closed, sometimes it's just the wrong request. It's not the right request. Because God knows better. Uh, in a similar way, I think we're kind of like that six-year-old where we say, God, you know, this, if, if we would do this or if I could do this. And all we have is that certain kind of perspective. And God, knowing more about life and knowing more about the direction of our lives, says, no, it's, that's the wrong request. You're not made for that. I have something else in store for you. One time, uh, the, uh, three, the three closest friends to Jesus, Peter, James, and John, have request of Jesus. And they're on this mountain. This miraculous thing happens where Jesus is transfigured. His glory just shines. And then also Moses and Elijah are, are, are there as well. I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 28. And... What's interesting about this is that um, Peter, James, and John actually make a request of Jesus and ask him to, to open a door and to actually make something, uh, an opportunity happen. We pick it up here in uh, verse 28 of Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the, in the pews in front of you. Also, you can look on with our slides. We see here in verse 28, I'm just going to, you don't have it on the slide in front of you, I'm just going to kind of set the context. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, uh, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were, glor- they were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. And then verse 32 here, Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, kind of like a six-year-old, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. So he makes this request. 
And although Jesus doesn't answer him directly, you'll see in the subsequent verses there, but his actions clearly show Jesus is closing the door on that request. That's not going to happen. Because the mission and ministry of Jesus wasn't to be on some mountain for his glory simply to be shown and, and for everybody to be dazzled by that. The mission and ministry of Jesus was actually to be down with the people. It was to be down with the people and, and healing them and spending time with them and sharing God's word with them. So that door was closed, despite the disciples asking for that. That's a really good example of it. Another one that we see, too, uh, later in, in chapter 9, we pick it up here in uh, verse 54 of chapter 9, if you want to turn to that. And the context is this, is that Jesus was about to travel through a certain region of Samaria, and he needed a, a uh, travel permit, I guess, to get through that certain part of, of Samaria. So he sent some people ahead to get that travel permit, and they were denied. But undeterred, they come back to Jesus, and we pick it up here in verse 54. And James and John make this request. They're asking Jesus to open a door for this request. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? It's an interesting request. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. He closed the door on that request. It wasn't the right request. It was wrong. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you know what? I didn't come to torch people. I, I, I came to transform them. I came to transform them. Wrong request. And the door is closed on that request. And, and maybe... For me, I'm not as, maybe my request or my, um, uh, when I come to God and ask him to open doors is perhaps not as stark or as, as sort of violent as that one. I think in some ways I'm no different than these two examples that we see here in Luke chapter 9. Because as much as I want to think differently, my request, my desire is for God to open a door in my life to afford an opportunity for me. Typically are self-absorbed patently self-absorbed, or they're materialistic, or they're short-sighted, or they're immature. Very much what we see in these stories right here. As much as I try for that not to happen, um, it tends to default sometimes in in that direction. Because the truth is about me, I'm a mixed bag of motives, and so are you. And thank God, Thank you, God, for the blessing of closed doors, that God loves me so much and that God loves you so much is that he doesn't open those doors when you ask. He keeps them closed because he knows better. It's not right for you. It's the wrong request. So he keeps that door closed because he has purposes for your life. It reminds me when I was um, in college, I was a freshman at the University of Minnesota. I had a dream, a big dream. I had a goal, I had a desire, and I prayed on a regular basis for about four years. I wanted to go to law school upon graduation. And I gave up a lot. I wanted to have a certain kind of GPA so that I could get accepted into an Ivy League law school. That was my dream. I had some friends that lived in the East Coast. I spent a summer out there before my freshman year in college. And I just felt like this, this is something I really wanted. And I worked really hard for four years. And, um, but it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. But I, I still felt pretty certain because I had put enough effort into it. I had done everything possible. My resume was really good. 
that this was going to happen, that this door would be open in my life. I'd, I'd go to law school, go to Ivy League, and my life would be all set. In fact, I was so certain I told my wife at that time we were engaged, I was so certain about it, I told her this is what's going to happen for our life. Yeah, a great, you know, great move by me. So if you're looking for marital advice, guys, don't do something like that. Um, but I was so certain this door would be opened. And then during my senior year at the U, it became very apparent that that door was going to remain closed. And that was very hard for me to swallow. But it seemed like God was opening a different door in my life towards pastoral ministry and to go on to seminary. And after sort of wrestling with God a little bit, um, I came to the realization that's what he wanted me to do. That he closed the door on law school, but he opened the door towards pastoral ministry, something I would have never guessed five years previous to that. And what's cool about God, if you give him a chance and you lay down that um, request, when you lay down that one door that you wanted open and when it's closed and you actually are open to the door that he opens in your life, he gives you a joy and a contentment. In fact, to the point that you can't imagine the other door being opened. You know, they do these job studies each year on job satisfaction in America, and it seems like it tends to uh, uh, waver a little bit, oscillate between two to three, uh, two to three Americans out of ten are actually happy about their jobs. And hopefully some of you are among the, the two or three out of ten. But I can safely say over the last 20 years, I can't imagine anything else for my life. I've been fortunate to be um, among those two or three out of ten that are very satisfied with uh, what, what I do. I can't imagine anything else. So when God closes a door, sometimes he opens a door for us as well. But when a door is closed or um, remains closed, I think it's, it's important for us to review why it's closed. You know, maybe the request is an unwillingness to face a real issue in our lives. You'll see these up on the screen. And this might uh, resonate with you. You may want to write one of these down. Maybe it's an unwillingness to face a real issue. Maybe the request is destructive in a way you can't see, that God can see. Because we need to be aware that God is not only present in our todays, but he's also present in our tomorrows, in our next weeks, in our next months, in our next years. And he knows where that path can lead, where that door, if it were opened, where it may lead for you. It could be destructive for you. Or maybe the request is short-sighted. The request could be too small. And also, maybe the request is that where God has something better in mind for your life, and you're just not able to see it. So sometimes doors are closed or doors remain closed because it's just not right for you. Um, You're not made for that. God has other purposes for your life. Well, another reason why God doesn't open a door or keeps the door closed in our life is that um, it's not so much that it's wrong or it's not the right thing for us, but it comes at the wrong time. It comes not at the right time in our lives. And parents, I think you can resonate with this, is that when you're on a road trip with your children, and that was true for Janiel and I, and perhaps you're about 20 miles from your destination, and what do your children invariably say? Are we there yet? And your response is what? Not yet. Probably the second most hated term by children, next to no, 
is not yet. Okay? And then five miles later, where they ask you, are we there yet? Not yet. Oh, come on. This is taking forever. How long is this going to take? And they keep asking that question. And parents, you know what that's like. Whether your child is 5 or 15, it doesn't change. Are we there yet? And you respond back with, not yet. And sometimes when we ask God for a door to be opened, it's not no, it's just not yet. That, that you and I need to wait. And I think that's incredibly hard for us. It's for us to, to wait. I remember being a child and around Christmas time, um, it was our tradition in my family that we'd open our Christmas presents right after uh, the Christmas Eve dinner. And I remember just begging them, my, my mom almost like every year, Mom, can I just open one present? Just one. One small one. You know? And I got, I got clever. I said, Mom, no one's looking. Just one present. Can I open one present? And my, my mom would always say, not yet. Not until after dinner. And, and some of us as parents have had various questions from our kids. Perhaps your daughter comes to you and says, can I wear makeup to school for the first time? All my friends are doing it. And you respond back, not yet, next year. Or maybe your kids ask you, can I get my own phone? You know, everybody at school, I just, and I love the extreme language that kids use, everybody, every single person in my grade has an iPhone. Can I have one? And you respond back, not yet. And they grumble and they complain and they murmur. Sometimes perhaps they kick and scream. But I think... In, in many ways, there's a little child in, in each of us, isn't there? Where we come to God with requests and ask him to open a door. And we give our, our reasons, we give our rationale, and, and we want God to meet every need and, and have him to open the door for every request. When? Right now. Actually, yesterday would have been really nice. And yet God says, not yet. Not yet. So we wait And when our Heavenly Father responds to us as his children, he's saying, not yet. I'm not opening the door on that request right now. You just need to wait. And I think this is one of the most critically um, important areas for us in our faith because I can't tell you how many people I have seen give up on God or they give up on church or they give up on faith because they asked for a certain door to be opened and, and there's this waiting and they're waiting and waiting. And sometimes it's years and they're like, this is just futile. And they walk away from God. Yet God, in the midst of his not yet, is trying to form and mold us. He has a purpose. And this is important. You've got to catch this. Because I think there's belief systems out there that actually um, put God sort of as a caricature. Where God is a killjoy. Like he gets, he gets some kind of thrill watching us in our misery waiting. Or that God is angry with us. And because your door hasn't been opened, you haven't done something. You haven't, you haven't done the right thing. As if God's a vending machine. You've got to put the right amount of, of change in in order to, to get what's in there. And we can be duped into thinking that. And a lot of times, God, it's a, it's a very good request, but God is simply saying, not yet. Not yet. And sometimes the door is going to remain closed because it's not the right time. And God, in his infinite wisdom, he knows better for our lives. It's almost like God, can, God says to us, you can kick and scream all you want, but the timing is not right. You see, God's delay, God's delay in opening a door is not a denial. 
It's important for us to remember that. And to know that God has our best interest in mind. Where God is saying, not yet, believe me, I know what I'm doing. And yet, at the same time, his ways are not our ways. And I love the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It reminds us of that. Is that when God keeps the door closed, is to remind us that he has a different purpose and he has different ways. If you have a Bible, let's turn to the Old Testament. Isaiah 55. We're going to look at verses 8 through 9. And I remember coming across this passage actually when I was quite young and my, um, my grandmother teaching me this as a young boy and helping me understand that God's thoughts are not my thoughts. And, and for me, as a young boy, understanding that, it was so formational for me. Isaiah 55, 55 verses 8 through 9, God says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when it comes to those times where we have to wait, we have to remember that we are the creature, God is the creator. We are the clay, God is the potter, and he's shaping and forming us. And the not yets have a purpose. And yet we live in a, in a, in a society, in a culture, and we are so conditioned on instantaneous things. That when we make a request that, that it's answered right away, right? You know, for us, it's, it, it's somewhat mildly irritating or perhaps very irritating. We get to a hotel, we find out their Wi-Fi access is down. And we're in our hotel room and the, and the, and the clerk in the front desk says, you know what, it's going to take a couple hours for that Wi-Fi to come back up. And two hours passes because we time it on our watch. And we call the front desk and, and we're like, is that Wi-Fi up yet? Because my life depends on this. And they say, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be probably about five or ten minutes. Oh, come on. Are you serious? It's, 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 you know, the culture that we live in is so instant-oriented. And for us to have to wait, where it's the not yet's, can be very challenging for us. And I can't tell me how many times where I wanted God to open a door on a request of mine, simply saying, God, please open this door. And yet God's response back to me was, not yet. And there's reasons behind that. You may want to write these down. I think sometimes God's not yet's are that we need more time. We need more time to develop our character. As he's shaping us and forming us, that the not yet is a more time to shape our character. We don't worship a capricious God. We have a God who loves us beyond anything we can imagine. And sometimes a delay, not yet, forms our character in a way that otherwise would not happen. Next, we need more time to develop our endurance. And that's been especially true for me, um, is waiting and the value of waiting for God. Sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years. Or maybe we need more time to develop our trust in God. Sometimes the not yet is because we have work to do on trusting God, surrendering um, our request, our life to God. That a door being opened is not dependent upon how clever, how smart our efforts, our merit, but, but simply um, that the door remains closed because God wants us to develop um, our trust with him and our relationship. 
And we look through the Bible, there are so many stories where uh, men and women would come to God with a request, and it was like, God, why can't you just simply open the door? Why can't you change things? Why does this remain closed right now? And a really good example of this is a man named Job. If you read Job in the Old Testament, uh, for 37 chapters in the book of Job, Job is kind of asking the question, why? Why do these bad things happen? And why, why ha- has the door closed on my life? In a very, very um, heartbreaking story. Why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this? Why so much pain? Why can't you simply open the door and bring some relief into my life? And on top of that, uh, Job had these, these friends that were just kind of giving him a hard time and kind of rem- giving him some false beliefs and some, some really bad advice. In chapter 38 of Job, Job stops asking the question, why? And God says, now I'd like to ask you a few questions. It's kind of turning the tables. And for the next two chapters, God just kind of barrages Job with these, these statements, with questions that only God can answer. He, God asks questions like, where were you when I made the universe? Can you explain the law of gravity? And after two chapters, Job realizes that he's just a man and that his knowledge is limited. Almost like a six-year-old telling her dad he needs to sell snow cones. And... Job responds with this, this sort of resignation to realizing, okay, God has a different plan. He knows more than me. Job 42, verses 1 through 3 and verse 6. You don't need to turn to it. It's going to be on the screen here. Job says this, I know, God, that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my, my wisdom with such ignorance? It's I. It's kind of like he's raising his hand. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. I love that passage. It's just Job saying, you know what? You're not yet, um, you know, you're God, and I am just a man. I'm just a human being. You're far beyond me. What you do in a situation where you can't see the whole picture, where things aren't clear, and the door seems to remain closed, and it makes no sense to you, what do you do? What do you do in the midst of that? What do you do when it seems like it's the not yets? How do you respond to God? Because here's the thing, and this series has all been, all been about this. God is more concerned about your character as he's shaping you and he's forming you through open doors or closed doors. He's more concerned about your character. He's more concerned about the person you're becoming. He's more concerned about the life you're, you're living than your gratification and your convenience. We need to remember that. And I have discovered that some of the doors that are open in my life, the best ones are the ones that remain closed for years. I think a lot of us can attest to that. The ones that remain closed for years, then God opened that are some of the best ones. As we kind of reflect on the reasons why God keeps doors closed, I think it's important for us to remember that we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who relates to this, that um, comprehends what it's like. And I mean this um, comprehends not in a conceptual way, not in a way, for example, when a friend of mine uh, spent some travels throughout Alaska and he's telling me about the terrain there. And having traveled some, I could kind of relate to him conceptually as he's describing Alaska to me. Um, 
Jesus doesn't sort of relate to this stuff sort of in, in a conceptual cognitive way. He relates to us. And he relates to these requests that we have where doors are closed because he experienced it firsthand. When you think about it, at his greatest hour of need, when he senses the trial and the crucifixion coming, and he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating blood, and he's early alone before the Heavenly Father. And you'll see this verse up, and it's actually in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. I'm going to turn to that. And it's an incredible uh, statement by Jesus, where in verse, verse 42, he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He makes a request. He asks the Heavenly Father to open a door. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus understands when doors are closed because that door remained closed to him. It's a staggering thought. So when you experience a door that's closed in your life or remains closed, Jesus walks alongside you, understands that. And maybe it's in the midst of our struggle and our frustration, and some of it is absolutely heartbreaking. It involves cancer. It may, may involve bankruptcy. may involve a number of things, both large and small. Jesus understands. He understands because he had experienced that. The door remained closed. And thank God that door remained closed. You and I would not have hope. You and I would not have a future in eternity with God without the sacrifice in the life of Jesus Christ. Maple Grove Covenant Church would not be here if that door right here in Luke 22 had been opened. It was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his resurrection three days later that everything changed. Your life changed. My life changed. And it's the blessing of closed doors that God uses in your life, in, your, in my life, to shape us, to form us for his purposes and for his will. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks this morning for closed doors. As hard it is for us to accept it, as hard it is for us to um, do life in the midst of it, we thank you that you walk alongside of us. God, I pray for each person here. I just sense in, in the room here, people that have been experiencing closed doors for a number of months and years, and perhaps they're at a point right now where they have nothing left, where they feel like they did something wrong, they let you down in some way. And for us to remember and reflect that sometimes doors are closed because it's not right for us. You have another plan and purpose for us. Or maybe it's simply not yet. So God, help us. Help us to surrender our request, to surrender our desires to you. As much as we want certain doors to be open, is to humbly come before you and trust you 
that you love us and you want the best for us. And God, in the same way for our church, Maple Grove Covenant Church, the request, the desires that we want as a church body, doors that we want open is for us to depend fully upon you, believing that you have the right time for us as a church community. In the midst of it, draw us closer together that as we praise you and glorify you and honor you, we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, amen. At this time, we're going to see this morning's offering and an opportunity for us as God opens doors in our lives with finances to give back to him.